Hi again. Welcome to the ProGrace podcast, having new conversations about abortion. I'm Angie Wesley, and we're going to do something different today. I'm here with uh, Dr. Julie Slattery. Hi again. Yes. (laughs) And Julie, you had a wonderful idea while we were eating our modern market lunch. (laughs) Um, Why don't you introduce the idea you thought of and why you thought of it and what we're doing today? Yeah. So I started asking you some questions about just how you're responding to what's happening in our culture today. Mm -hmm. Um, If you haven't noticed, (laughs) abortion is being discussed everywhere. Yes, I've noticed. <laughs> yeah, I figured you had, but I've thought about you so often Aww, as I listen to my my daily news about the heartbeat bills yes. being passed and um, the Georgia Hollywood yep. contingency threatening to pull all their production out of yep. Georgia and yep. New York and other states yep. passing these bills that uh, allow for abortion mm-hmm. up until even after birth. No, I, I don't think it's after. Yeah. I, I don't know all of it. I know. And that, you know, the reason we don't know all of it is because how confusing it is. It is. It depends. The truth these you know, days. every day I listen to a podcast that gives me secular news and then a podcast that gives me Christian news. And the stories I hear, the same story presented so differently. Is, I know. It's like, what's the truth? I know. It's hard to figure out yeah. what the truth is. Yes. But anyway, and also the movie Unplanned yes. that recently came out, I was like, I wonder how Angie's <laughs> addressing this stuff. And yeah. I asked you and you said, that you haven't really talked about it on the podcast because you're always interviewing right. other people. Right. So I said, well, why don't I interview you? I know, which you're such a good interviewer. So that's what we're doing today, everyone. Julie's going to interview me and we'll have this conversation. And so grace for me too, because I'm usually on the other end asking the questions. Yeah. So I don't and know. These are tough questions. I don't know. Yeah. Which, which seat you like better, but. I don't know. <laughs> we'll so, find out. So let me, let me jump into it. Yeah. We've already kind of alluded to this. There's so much happening with the landscape yeah. uh, around conversations about abortion and pro-life issues. Yeah. I can't remember it being this hot since like the 1980s. Is yeah. that kind of what So you- I don't remember tons about the 1980s, but I've been involved with this since 2005 mm-hmm. and I don't remember it ever being this hot since yeah. then. Yeah. So so you are studying this and thinking mm-hmm. about it and praying about it all mm-hmm. the time. For the average person, this is just kind of maybe some background noise of, mm-hmm. wow, this is something happening in our culture. What is going on? <laughs> what is the truth about uh, what you see happening with all these bills yeah. being debated and passed? So that's a really big question. I'll give my opinion. I don't know if I know the full <laughs> truth. You know, I have a bent that is very non-political in this issue. And, and what we're seeing right now just confirms it and illustrates why I have that feeling. Because I think what's happened in the political side, I don't, I'm not an, an analyst, I don't know when this happened, but what I see is both sides are focused on um, making it legal mm-hmm. or not or making illegal. it legal. Uh-huh. No one's asking the questions of what's driving it, what's the demand for it, you know, why do we... Why, why, why is it happening so much? And, you know, over the years, I've spoken to so many pro-choice people. We interviewed our friend Laura on this podcast earlier, and she'll say, you know, pro-choice people don't love abortion. It's not like anyone's promoting abortion. You know, it's a difficult decision for a woman to make and to go through. So why is so much time and energy being expended on whether or not it should be legal without addressing why is it happening? Because these are the same women who are going to have children later. Mm-hmm. 65, 60 to 65% of, of women who have abortions already have a child. Mm-hmm. So 
you know, it, it, the caricature that I can't stand of just a selfish woman or those women, you know, I'm doing quotes, isn't true. That's not what's happening out there. And I feel like that's part of what happens in the political divide is you can stereotype a group of people mm-hmm. and demonize them as opposed to just asking questions. And so the, the, both political sides do that to each other, but I almost feel like women get caught in the middle. And I'm primarily motivated in this by a fierce desire to see women and children have everything they need, not just to survive, but to thrive. And I feel like both sides at times use the women as a pawn mm-hmm. to get reelected to be in this platform. And so I'm probably not the best person to ask about it because <laughs> I'm not really pro-political in this issue. I, I want to say I'm grateful to be an American and for our political system. Don't hear me say that. But part of my calling, I think, is to have this conversation in the church outside of it. And the political divisiveness is one thing that keeps us from being able to talk about it. Yeah, I think that's a, a, a really good observation. I don't think anybody loves politics nowadays. Some people do, <laughs> and I don't want to offend them because we need good politicians. I pray for politicians, and I, I know the, there are people who have been a little offended at the progress message. Are you saying politics not, is not important? I'm not saying that. I'm just saying for most of us, it actually shuts us down, Yeah, and we get triggered by it. Yeah. So how do the rest of us have a conversation if, if we're sick of the politics of it? Yeah. Um, so do you not want to talk about what's happening politically? I can. I talk about it differently. So yeah, ask me a specific question so that I get to. Yeah, I guess I would ask you since your heart is in this, what would you like to see happen? Um, because politicians jobs are not to create ministry. They're to create law. Right. And, um, and the Supreme court's job is to decide on law. Right. And, and so there are fundamental issues that they're arguing over. It's not, I think we hear it as lay people as right. being divisive, but they're trying to decide, you know, who deserves, what lives deserve protection and right. when does life begin? When, at what point do you fall under our constitution? Me? It, I don't answer well, that. I don't answer that, but I can speak to that. Yeah. Um, so here's the thing. This law would be unnecessary, Any laws on abortion would be unnecessary if women had what they needed to have a child at the wrong time, Okay. So that's kind of, I view this from um, an emotional empowerment of women issue. And I would say that my fundamental belief is that women, now this is most women, so maybe I should say we wouldn't mostly need this law. I'm going to say most women. Most women have a natural maternal instinct. I believe mm-hmm. it's given by God. Mm-hmm. I think you see it in little girls playing with dolls. And I'm not saying men don't want to have kids too, but there's something unique about the way God created women. So we'd have the stamina to go through yes. <laughs> pregnancy. Um, and um, where was I going with this? There's a maternal instinct in each and every woman. Have you ever heard a little girl say, I can't wait to grow up and exercise my right to choose. I can't wait to grow up and have my abortion. I've never heard that. No, it's not something that we naturally default to. It exists because of other issues of brokenness and systemic oppression of women in our society. Mm -hmm. So, for example, the very fact that, um, you know, a woman who's pregnant would feel like she would face discrimination at work or like a college athlete would lose her scholarship. That never happens to men. See, this is a unique thing coming against women because we are carrying 
children. So I feel like that's where we should be putting our time and effort. And I think if we put our time and effort there, then we could see who we would, where we would need to legislate. Right now, it's so messed up and so complex, and the story's been so wrong for, for women for so long that just putting a law in place misses what's really happening for women and children. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying I think this is the best for you know the child as well. Women are natural protectors of children. Yeah. I mean, one thing I was surprised at when I was in Chicago working for a local pregnancy organization, we went out to meet with health centers and maternal child health experts. Most of them are very pro-choice. Mm-hmm. And they would say it's because they're pro-child. Yeah. You know, they want to see women and children thrive. So, But they see the systemic problems happening. So, you know, I will say this about abortion. It's not God's design. Mm-hmm. It's not his way. Mm-hmm. It's not his best for a woman or a child. Um, and it doesn't operate in a vacuum. You just said this on the last podcast. It's a complex issue that's happening because of a lot of other brokenness. And I think we have the power to look at that brokenness and then not even need to legislate. Mm-hmm. You don't even think there's a need for it. I mean, I okay, let me say this. this and, and people will tell you I'm idealistic. I'm a visionary. I think if we, the church, start stepping in and meeting these needs, the shame, the stigma, the isolation, yeah. the lack of resources, and we create, a, we create another picture that mm-hmm. actually you and your child could thrive after this unintended pregnancy, as difficult as it is wherever you are, we're going to create a community where you and your child could thrive. I think we need to see how many abortions would be happening after that Okay. to decide then how we legislate. And I think we would need to ask why are women continuing to have abortions now that we have a pathway where they and their child can thrive? Who is still having an abortion? Why is she having it? Mm-hmm. And then go from there. I just think my problem with coming down on a political side is I agree with certain tenets of both political sides. Yeah. And I get angry at the way they use the middle ground or the things we could even agree on to beat up on each other. And I just don't want to find myself in that battle. Mm -hmm. So for my calling for what I'm called to do, I can't, I don't comment and say where I am politically, but I don't mind saying how I view the whole political process. Yeah. Is that fair? It is fair. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Because people would stop listening to me if I came down and said I'm one side or the other. That's what happens. And that's what I'm trying to break off, that we can't even listen to people who hold a, an opposing political view because we assume they're either anti-woman or anti-child. And that's not, that's not the political story. That's yeah. not what's really happening. Yeah. So you're looking at more the societal structures that need to be addressed. Yes. But, and, the chur- and I would say and the church structures. And that's, yeah, that's certainly part of it, a big part of what we're called to do. I, but in reality, we can't, we can't completely fulfill what you're saying that we should fulfill. Well, we don't know how much. You're right. And I am a dreamer. We can't completely. But <laughs> I mean, Jesus even said, you, the poor you will always have with you. Exactly. Um, but the early Christians were the ones going around picking up the children that had right. been left. So and we I need mean, to do that. We can do a lot. And it isn't just the children. It's welcoming the women into our churches. And I think we can do a lot more, you know, and, in, and until we do, I don't know that I need to comment on that. <laughs> I got, I get it. You know, it's it's so interesting because you you said you're the idealist and and you're really geared towards how do we minister? How do we minister to women? Which is a piece of this. And I feel like I'm the philosopher. Yeah, I'm always sitting back, going philosophically, what is driving all this? Yeah. I don't like all the politics of it either. Yeah. Um, but looking at life issues in terms of how they're all connected. Yeah. 
and that we life is meaningful in our yes. culture because we give it meaning. Yeah. Well, no, but, life is meaningful because it is meaningful. But but our cultural narrative says oh. that life is meaningful because the meaning we project onto it. So, for example, euthanasia is okay because the quality of life is not good. Right. And the person doesn't want to live anymore. Right. Uh, and so life is only meaningful if, if we give it meaning. And a baby is only meaningful once it's loved, once it's embraced. Whereas the biblical worldview is that life is inherently meaningful. Right. And it's for us to esteem every life and to nurture every life, the mother's life and the child's life. Right. Uh, and so, you know, I'm always looking at things more from that, that worldview right. um, perspective that even if we could meet every need that every woman had to help her understand that she could thrive, having children is complicated. Yep. And, uh, and if we're looking at our lives in terms of the meaning we want to create in it instead of the meaning God endows in it, right. then it's, it always becomes an option of, I think even with birth control, you right. know, children mess things up. <laughs> well, okay. So now I'm going to flip and do, you know, you talk about the sexual, the biblical view of sexuality. And you know that you can't just say to someone who has the cultural view of sexuality, yeah. have a different worldview. No, you can. Okay. So it's the same with the issue of life. Yes. Again, talk about Satan attacks sexuality because it's this metaphor for the right. love of God. Satan attacks life because God is life and the enemy comes to steal, kill and destroy. So he's going to come after life. But see, the, the problem is the answer the Christian community has taken to that is just education. Right. Let's just educate people that every life matters. And education doesn't change a worldview. No. And I would also say Christians have been known for supporting some policies, very vocal, uniting their polit politics to their Christianity, that appear to our culture to not value certain lives. I agree. So we then have lost credibility in the public square because we only talk about certain lives mm -hmm. and not others. And you talked about half-truths. Right. And, and that's what's happening in this issue. So yeah. I feel what the church needs to do is, again, like you're, there is no answer to this without the Holy Spirit. Yes. So the reason I'm an idealist is because I so firmly believe that God has put within the heart of every person a knowledge that life matters. Mm -hmm. He has. Mm -hmm. The enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. He is the enemy. And I think the problem in the life space and legislating, and if I was to say I'm pro-life or pro-choice, is that... We make that the enemy. We've made the laws the enemy. Or we've made the people that disagree with us the enemy. Or we've made the people that disagree with us the enemy. And honestly, for for any person on either side who thinks this issue is going to be solved because their law wins, no. it's so much bigger than that. You're absolutely right. So that's the philosophical part of me is if Christians, I, I feel like Christians have been um, blinded by the enemy to not see his role in this. Mm -hmm. You know, and 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 by saying we value life, we're then cursing others who are made in the image of God. Yes. I mean, I, when I went out and when I worked in Chicago in this organization, we said, "What what experiences have you had with our organization?" The Christians from our organization before we got there had been horrific to the people on the other side. I believe it. So they had not valued this image bearer while fighting for this other image bearer. Some of the stuff they said to the women who came in. 
was stuff Jesus would never say. So they had degraded one image bearer while trying to help another image bearer. So I just think I'm a very much Christians. Let's look at the log in our own eye first. How are we valuing all of God's image bearers? You know, even the ones who disagree with us. And I, I think we have a wrong view of the woman who has abortions just by saying she needs to be legislated against. Not, not that people say that, but you know, is she a perpetrator or is she a victim or is she like all of us both at times? Right. I just think it creates a wrong mentality. It blinds us from being able to solve the real problem, which is if you were walking in her shoes and I've never had an abortion, but I've listened to enough stories that I can tell you right now, pick any one of those stories I've heard. And I can tell you that had I been in that woman's shoes, Mm -hmm. I most likely would have done the same thing. And that's the place we have to get to the empathy I think if if Christians could get to that place, then I would trust us to inform the political uh, atmosphere. Maybe there's a better law. I'm sure there have to be better laws than the ones that are being proposed right now. You know, it's politics isn't my calling, but I'm holding out for a better political solution that's informed by compassion and grace and love for both the woman and the child. Is that, and I want to ask a it higher is. question. You know, I was thinking you, you were talking about the narratives about sex. It's either uh-huh. the... Um, cultural narrative or the purity narrative right and and god always has a third way right yes that's the biblical well that's how i see this whole thing Mm -hmm. it's are you for the woman and her rights or the child and her in their rights well god is for both and that's his third way so yeah got to be consistent if we're called to love and we're called to value people it means all people right it's not just the ones we want to protect it's all people right and you do such a good job of understanding that our sin in the sexual area is very complex. We've been sinned against. It's the same thing in the abortion area. So if mm-hmm. the church, you know, and I believe abortion is never God's intention. You know, my, yeah. my pro-choice friend said, do you think abortion is a sin? Which is a very tar- uh, triggering word, but I, I don't think it's God's best. Right. And the enemy comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But let's talk about all forms of sin. Mm-hmm. That are happening. Like I mentioned in our last podcast, the Southern Baptist is now finally talking about all the sexual abuse mm-hmm. that has happened. I mean, we have to talk about all the sins that happen. Let's talk about all the people that are engaging in things and keep it quiet. Like, you know, we're minimizing our effectiveness by picking certain issues that are worse than others. And we do not yes. see Christ do that in the Gospels. You know, he says, you're just as bad. So we yeah. have to come from this posture of, I'm struggling. I haven't arrived. I'm on a journey. My gosh, if we could talk about that in the political mm-hmm. field, I mean, because what, okay, let me tell you what's happening with these laws. Um, they're, they're all, they're just all positioned to either protect or tumble Roe v. Wade. That's yes. all they really are yeah. for, mm-hmm. right? It's political posturing. And so the New York law was the first one to come out. And I was listening to a podcast of a woman who's pro-choice and she said, we had to codify it in the New York law before, um, Mm-hmm. it got taken away on a national level. So you can see where they're coming from. Now, I'm not saying I'm agreeing with either of these They're sides. just playing chess. They're playing chess. And, and they lit up the Freedom Tower, and that was so offensive to so many Christians. And this woman said, we didn't do that to celebrate abortion, because that's the way it came across. We did that to celebrate this right being preserved. So again, one thing, lighting up Freedom Tower, means so many different things to people, and it's so divisive. Um, But the same thing's happening then in these Southern laws too. They're trying to push this to the Supreme Court, trying to get Roe v. Wade overturned. So again, on both sides, for the New York law, 
why isn't there a provision in there for special counseling? And maybe there is, I don't know. Sorry, New York, if there is, but special counseling for a woman who feels like she has to have an abortion in the third trimester, what has happened? Was she being abused and didn't find out about it till late? Was there an anomaly she just found out about? Like, could there be some acknowledging, some, some acknowledging that to have an abortion in the third trimester is really rare and something must have gone wrong and could we meet her needs in that, right? Yeah. Or the same in the Southern laws, you know, is there mandatory housing then for women? I mean, I've heard women say, I'm going to be kicked out of my house if I come home pregnant. Yeah. I've heard Christian teenagers say, my parents told me they would kick me out if I came home pregnant. So wow. I'm getting an abortion. So wow. again, in that, in the, in the conservative laws, is there provision for a woman who wants an abortion because she's being abused? Do you, is she automatically, are they contacting social services? Are we protecting women? Do you see how on both sides the I women do. gets to, they're a pawn yes. for political gain? Yeah, I get it. I get it. I, uh, it's complicated. <laughs> it I'm is. glad you're doing what you're doing. To make it maybe a little even more complicated, I want to bring up <laughs> another uh, thing that's happened recently. Yeah. And give you a chance to respond to it, which is the movie Unplanned. Yes. I assume you saw it. I did see it. And? With three of my lady friends. So I actually met Abby Johnson really briefly, and I, I want to honor her and her story. And I don't know who she worked with and how much of it really is 100% her story and how much it was informed by Hollywood. So I want to say that first because um, women and men – uh, families journey with abortion differently. And for her to have the courage to tell her story and, and put it on a movie was really courageous. So I don't want anything that I say right here to take away from that. Um, I watched it through my own lens of what I believe and what I've seen happen. And I think for me, um, a really low moment, a couple low moments when they're tied, uh, was at the end when the, the story arc the victory of the film mm -hmm. is the sign of Planned Parenthood being torn down and Planned Parenthood closing. So in movie terms, that means Planned Parenthood was the bad guy. Yeah. Right? They defeated the giant. <laughs> uh -huh. Right? Yes. As if every woman in that story was struggling only because they were there. Like, if Planned Parenthood wasn't there, these same women wouldn't feel like they had to have an abortion. Like, it's such a oversimplification of what's really happening with women. And I know this because we've just completed five bodies of research with women facing unintended pregnancy who chose all three options, different women. And that's just not what's going on with them. Like, oh, well, they're there. Oh, I think I'll go do that. Like I go get my nails done. Like this is a heart wrenching mm -hmm. decision that's complicated by a lot of factors tied to that. And again, I don't know how much of this Abby believes or how much was Hollywoodized, but, um, you know, her abortions, the way I saw them on screen play out is that she's in a relationship with a man 10 years older than her when she's just a couple, I think she was still in college. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And right there, that's a red flag for me. What was going on? And the fact that he was, in the movie portrayed as being very mean when she found out he was, she was pregnant and he told her he'd drive her to the abortion clinic, but she had to pay. Mm -hmm. There were all these signals to me that that was not a healthy relationship, that somehow she was in a dysfunctional relationship. And she had Christian parents who yeah. loved her, but she didn't go to them. Yeah. And I think she'd been raised in a church, but she didn't go to them. Mm -hmm. The movie didn't explore why, why didn't she go to them? Mm -hmm. Like, her parents, I'm sure, would have supported her, but what was the narrative Abby was believing mm -hmm. that she couldn't tell her parents? And again, I don't know if she did, but I'm just speaking to the movie. Right. The, the, the movie, Abby, didn't tell anybody else 
didn't go reach out for support for anyone else. Why? Well, we know from research it's because women feel like their life will be over. They will no longer be the person they thought they were. It completely is identity shattering and life altering, not on a selfish level, like, oh, I won't get to go to college, but like, I'm no longer me. And it's so life altering that without a lot of support, many women just feel like they have to have an abortion to survive. And in that first abortion, I, I see that she felt like she had to have an abortion to survive and keep this guy who was not healthy. And then the second abortion was being married to him. And he was cheating on her. Mm-hmm. And I think they had already been divorced when she mm-hmm. found out she was pregnant. And she said, I, c- I can't carry his child again. Why not go to your church or your Christian family? What are the narratives? So, so I look at Abby's abortion as complex and all these factors. And then Abby movie, Abby gets up at the end and says, I sacrificed two children on the altar of convenience. Mm. And Mm -hmm. I was just like, no, you didn't. Not from what I've seen. Now, maybe it wasn't as portrayed, but from what I've seen, you most certainly did not. And that is a lie where the enemy is coming after women and children and trying to get them both in the same blow, not even before the abortion, but after. And it's Mm. what makes us as Christians think abortion is this unforgivable sin. It was as if Abby had the abortion all by herself and got pregnant all by herself. And so Mm -hmm. to me, there's a there's a demonic anti-woman, anti-child spirit even behind that narrative that drives me crazy. Mm-hmm. And I think is why so many abortions happen in the church. So mm-hmm. um, so that's it. Now, speaking to all the other stuff, I don't know. I don't know what really happened to her at Planned Parenthood. You know, I've had... You know, I've heard mixed things about Planned Parenthood. I've actually never been inside one. So I have. Okay. Was it as bad as what she portrayed? I've been, I've been in, I think two or three of them and, uh, they're different because they're, they're people. I think each one's different. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I don't know if you know this. I don't know if I ever told you this story, but when I was in college, did I tell you this? No. I pretended to be a pregnant teenager. To kind of do a sting? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Just. I was volunteering at a crisis pregnancy center. Wow. You and, never uh, told me no, this. All this I, time we've talked about yes, this issue, you never told me that. And I went in abortion clinics and Planned Parenthoods and crisis pregnancy centers. Okay. okay. And uh, I can tell you that, first of all, there's no consistency. There, right. there are crisis pregnancy centers that didn't treat me well. Yes, I've uh, heard that. Yep. And there were Planned Parenthoods that the person was really caring and sweet, and yep. there are others where... They weren't. Right. Um, and so I think you're right um, to to put people in camps yeah. and to assume their motives. is We're complicated people. We are. And the, the whole narrative, and maybe this is what you're saying, allows us to stereotype and demonize a whole group of people. It's and that's, easier that way. <laughs> yeah, but that hasn't been my experience. No. Like you said, you found loving, kind people in Planned Parenthoods uh-huh. and not so nice. And you found loving, kind, but also not so nice Christians right. in right. crisis pregnancy mm-hmm. centers. So let's deal with that full truth. Yes. And so the speaking of half truths and stuff, like I'm sure there were some things that were awful and not great, but the way it was portrayed in a movie, it was this all good, all bad we, scenario. We like that. <laughs> you know, you think about superhero movies. I know. We're, we're drawn to that. I know. We, we get anxious with the complexity of, yes. of everybody has good and bad in them and yeah. grays. And these are not easy, easy yeah. issues to resolve. Yeah, and, and so I understand why Hollywood does that. 
But I also understand why we do that as Christians. Right. And my friend described it this way, and I never thought of this. I love World War II stuff. And she's like, do you know why we all... I mean, just think about it. We're still making movies about World yeah. War II. We love it. We love it because it's an all good, all bad, very clean, very easy. The Nazis were so horrific that they've allowed us to have this... Yeah, I mean, who wants to talk about Korea or Vietnam? It's, I know. They're were, they were a mess. Even World War One, where so many, it was so horrific, and there are finally some stories being told, but she said we like the black and whiteness mm-hmm. of World War II. Mm-hmm. And honestly, I'm going to say, I think that's why Christians have been so vocal about some of this abortion issue. We've we've, t- we've tried to make it a black and white. Yeah. But by doing that, we're... It's half the truth. I like to say we've been very vocal about God's value for the child before the child comes into the world. And I am so in belief that he orchestrates each Mm -hmm. pregnancy and design. He's involved. He's, you know, he's called us. There's a a song right now from your mother's womb. I have chosen you. And I just always get undone. Child Mm -hmm. of God, that song. Mm -hmm. Cause I, I believe that's true in Jeremiah and all the things he's spoken now. We haven't told the full truth, and that is that the woman carrying the child is equally as valuable to God just for who she is, Mm -hmm. just for herself. She has dreams and and plans, and I think by aligning on the political debate where you have to pick one over the other, we've missed some of the richness of God's heart, really ultimately for both of them, Mm -hmm. because he's the one who united them together in pregnancy and intertwined them and you know, he sees them as together, but we've kind of like with sexuality, how you say we fractured it off from our spirit. We've fractured off the woman from the child. And God says, no, their design. I I, I look at the design of pregnancy. Kind of like you said, look at sex, Mm -hmm. look at how God designed pregnancy for a woman and a child to be intertwined for nine months. That's a long time. It is. (laughs) (laughs) You've been pregnant three times. I've been pregnant twice. Mine weren't very pleasant. He didn't have to create life that way. Mm -mm. What's that tell us about him? Mm -hmm. You know, and in the interdependence and, and what's that? T- and so the political debate fractures them off and that's why it won't work. And I'd also like to add that, you know, he also created women and men to be together in a covenant relationship like you talk about and care for a child. And he's fractured off women from men mm-hmm. in this too. So right. I just am calling Christians to see the enemy for who the enemy is. It's Satan. Yeah. And and like I said, with the laws, let's deal with Satan first and let's just love everybody. And then let's see when this clears up where we land. But we've spent so much time acting like people have all the power People are all the evilness. Mm -hmm. And I'm reading a book by Dallas Willard, Life Without Lack. Have you read that yet? Mm -mm. Oh, my gosh. You really need to read it. It's fantastic. I love Dallas Willard. And he says, you know, we're made in the image of God. We're his highest creation. His great dream is that we love him. That's why Satan comes after us so much. Mm -hmm. And then he said, people are not capable on their own of this great level of evil that we accomplish. Yeah. You know, people left to themselves, we don't dream up ways to steal, kill, and destroy. Mm. That comes from the enemy. And so I think part of the problem in the abortion space and why I reacted like I did to Unplanned is let's stop making people the enemy. Let's understand this is a spiritual battle. You know, I encourage everyone to read Dallas Willard, that book, and, and other books. Let's understand that we are playing right into the enemy's hands when we think he's not involved and we think, duh, just by changing a law and getting these evil people out of office, mm-hmm. we can win this. That's... It's- very superficial. Yeah, and it's yeah. not it really misses what's happening. Yeah. Amen. I'm glad you're doing what you're doing. And there's so many parallels with with what we're doing I at know. Authentic Intimacy. And one of the, the things that really 
convicts me is how Jesus said that that people will know that you're my disciples by your love for each other. And sexuality and abortion are these things that uh, are dividing the body of Christ. And the rhetoric we use towards one another is so unloving. Even if that other person might be wrong, the way we speak about them and to them is so unloving. Yes, And uh, Jesus didn't say that people would know we're his disciples by our sexual theology or our pro-life stance. He said, by our love for each other. Yes. And so that is uh, that is something that's getting lost, and I'm glad that you're bringing that back into this conversation. Thank you. And I think assumptions, right? So I've been around enough people to know that if someone says they're pro-life, m- most people who aren't of that persuasion are going to assume that person is very anti-woman, mm-hmm. very doesn't care about women's rights, um, you know, is is okay with manipulating women or showing them signs. That's the stereotype. Mm-hmm. And the assumption if someone's pro-choice, the other side assumes they hate yeah. children. See, those assumptions, those aren't, that's not true. Yeah. I've talked to so many pro-life and pro-choice people over the years, and that's not true. Again, people are having to come down on one side or the other because of the politics. But if we can take away the politics and just listen to each other, there's actually a lot of rich common ground for both women and children that can be found. But a lot of it's blocked by these stereotypes and these assumptions of who that other person is. And I'm not going to work with them. And that's what divisiveness does. Mm. And and for the sake of women and children, let's come together and try to have these conversations. Amen. Do you see why I'm Let's so passionate? I do, <laughs> and you are passionate. I'm glad that I, I gave you a chance for your audience thank to hear you. your passion. Yeah, okay. thank you. Thanks. So are you done? Because I'm sitting by the controls. I'm, we're done. <laughs> we All right. I, this is how I start the outro music. You as the host can close it up, Julie. Right. Thank you for listening <laughs> to ProGrace with Angie Wesley. How was that? And guest host, Julie Slattery. <laughs> yeah. Thank you, Julie. That was perfect. <laughs>